Hi everyone, I hope you're all doing well, and welcome back to another episode of Campfire Adventures. Well, we made it somewhere really cool for today's episode, to the one and the only, the Great Smoky Mountains of North Carolina. Okay, well technically, the Great Smoky Mountains are in between Tennessee and North Carolina, but we're doing the story for North Carolina, so I'm sure Tennessee wouldn't mind for this one episode if we used it for our podcast and say it's North Carolina's. The drive over here was long, but super amazing. Seeing the clouds all over the mountains and seeing the greenery and just the freshness that comes with pulling up to this campsite was just breathtaking. And I mean, I could probably go on and on and on about it, but we could get into that later because, as always, I have a pretty crazy story to share with you all today. So, you guessed it, it's time to grab a drink, we're around the fire pit, and then honestly, real quick sidebar, it's not lit. We got here late last night, so we didn't get any wood. And then I tried to start a fire so that way we could record the episode. But it got later, and I didn't write the episode all the way. And so I tried to burn some wood that was in the area just to get me going, but it didn't work. So anyway, we're recording this the next day. But I figured since it's been a while, we'll sit around the fire pit anyway, and I'll tell you the story like I usually do. And instead, this time in the morning, we'll hear cicadas and birds and forest noises and yeah so anyway and it's time to start today's story story is going to discuss a lot of harm that's going to come to animals and it's only because that's what today's creature chooses to consider its prey so if you don't mind then let's continue but if you think it might be a little too much to hear what happens to pets you know undomesticated animals then maybe you could skip today's episode and then just rejoin us next week or listen to a past episode but i just want to let you know that way you're not like geez dylan way to give us a warning so anyway we're in North Carolina in the 1950s in a city known as Bladenboro. And if you've never heard of it, don't worry or don't be too hard on yourself at least because only a little over a thousand people call this town home. And I mean, imagine now, like, there's not that many more people, but I, who would know about Bladenboro? I didn't even pass it when I got here. So you know how people like make sure their kids get in at night? I mean, obviously because of the boogeyman or you just don't want them outside playing at night. And they always say, get inside, get inside. No, at a certain time before the streetlights go out because you want to make sure that they're safe from the creatures that go bump in the night. Well, what happens when our pets are outdoor pets? I mean, usually we hope that our dogs or cats will protect us if anything goes down. And, you know, okay, well, maybe a pet cat is a stretch for protection. But, hey, I mean, look at the cat from Scary Movie 2. If anyone remembers that thing, he was throwing down left and right with, uh, I think her name was Katie in the movie. And so... We could only hope that that would happen. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, who's supposed to protect them when things go bump in the night? I mean, I'm sure we all think, like, what's the worst that can happen? But maybe after you hear today's episode, you'll bring your pets inside from now on. The night was a late December night in 1954. There was a farmer who heard his dogs making a lot of commotion outside. And so the farmer ran outside and he saw some creature that resembled a cat. But not just any regular cat. This thing was 
massive, huge. The creature looked at the man and then ran off. And so reassured that he had done what he'd hoped to do. He helped to protect his house. He helped to protect his pets. He returned inside and went to bed. And then the next day, when he went outside to get his daily chores done, his dogs were missing. So he starts looking around, looking all over the farm, looking all over the area, and he ended up seeing marks of some giant cat-like creature. And then he saw marks that would indicate that there was a type of struggle, and almost as if they were dragged off into the forest. And I'm not sure what he did after that, because honestly, I'd be freaked out. I'd call the police, I'd be like, look, something came, got my dogs, I don't know what it was, these giant footprints. So I'm not sure if he went and told anybody about the incident right away, but I think he soon would after he hears what happens that New Year's Day. So now on January 1st of 1955, yes, because we've ended 1954, now we're in 1955, there were a pair of dogs who were found killed in the town of Bladenboro. Only it wasn't like they died from illness or maybe some evil owner who just wanted to get rid of them. But how they were found was crazy because whatever killed these creatures had crushed the canines' heads and then proceeded to drain them of almost all their blood. And then the next day, another pair of dogs were found. Similar, exactly similar, murdered, drained of blood with a crushed skull. Now the local people were going crazy trying to figure out what was plaguing their pets. And then reports of some undomesticated animals being found just like the dogs were, with their skulls crushed, drained of blood, and then just left there, just left behind for someone to find. Now the town set out to find out whatever this creature was. Who could have killed the pets, if anything, if it wasn't like a cryptid, maybe some person was doing it, but no one could ever figure out what it was. Even the sheriff at the time, Roy Fors, took out some search dogs to follow the trail where some of the victims were left behind. But it's reported that when they did see the trail, and when they did start to head out to wherever it would lead to, they just stopped and wouldn't go forward anymore. And when they stopped, it was almost as if the investigation stopped. Now, I think people got the hint and decided that the best course of action was to keep their pets inside because whatever it was, was only interested in their pets and not the people who owned them. At least that's what people thought. Until January 6th of that same year when a young mom named Miss Kinlaw went outside her home in the early morning and she was attacked. A giant feline creature pounced on her and she yelled at the top of her lungs, just hoping that somebody would hear her. And when things just seemed like they were so grim and nothing could happen, her husband ran outside with a gun and the creature was scared off and disappeared into the forest. But now, with this incident, the locals were able to create a complete composite of this creature, and it went something like this. The look of this beast was a mixture of a bear and a cat. It was a little less than five feet long, about 20 inches high. It appeared to weigh more than 100 pounds, and it had a long tail, brown fur, and like I said earlier, a face with the mixture between a cat and a bear. And does anybody know what this creature was called? Well, after the sighting was written down into the news, it made national headlines, and the creature was dubbed the Beast of Bladenboro. And hunters from all over decided that they would try to help identify the creature themselves by hunting it down. So soon the small town was filled with almost double the usual population because of how many people had came to try to capture this creature. But no one was able to identify or even track where this beast made its home. Some people feared that maybe there wasn't actually a creature, that maybe it was some person who was doing all these heinous acts, but that wouldn't necessarily expect the attack that happened to Miss Kinlaw. 
And eventually, hunters were able to track down and kill a bobcat in the area. And because of this, the mayor of Blattenboro had called off the hunt completely. He's like, you know what? We found the creature. It must have just been this bobcat. And this explains everything, you know? And so eventually, all the hunters had left. And they thought that the beast was caught. And actually, there were no more cases of pets being killed and murdered the way that they were. It just seemed like everything had stopped and the beast had vanished. Or maybe it was actually the bobcat. So life goes on, and everything seems fine for about another 50 years or so, which, I mean, that's a long time, right? But in 2007, farmers in the neighboring towns of Blattenboro said that their flocks of goats, now I said flocks of goats, I'm not sure what you call them, herd of goats, maybe, but anyway, massive amounts of goats that belonged to multiple farmers were found killed the original way that all those pets were killed back in the 1950s, and So they said that there's only one creature that could have done it, that the creature who had done this was, in fact, the resurrection or the return of the beast of Bladenboro. Now, the sightings, or I guess the murders of these creatures, didn't go on as long as the original one. And no one actually saw who was killing all these goats, because it was a lot of goats. I'm talking like by the end of the third sighting, it was over 100 goats, I think. And then now at this time, I don't even know if it's still out there. We don't have any more recent reports, except for those couple instances in 2007 when those goats were murdered. So does he exist? Does he not exist? Do we let our pets out? I mean, I I just don't know if it's still out there or not. And I don't think that we want it to be, because what a painful way for us to find that some of our pets have gone, right? Who would ever want to know that? So just as a warning as of right now, since we don't know whether it's real or if we don't know it's out there or not, keep your eyes open. And maybe keep your pets inside, because you never know when this vampiric feline will resurface and want to enact some, I don't know, trauma, torment, harass the local pets, even people now. We all got to be careful. So just keep your eyes open and make sure that you keep your pets safe. But this is actually where we're going to end today's episode. I kind of am, like, torn, because I feel like we get a lot of information I feel like we cover a lot, and I feel like we learned about some new beast that's pretty crazy, but I do kind of feel a little bad that these stories are a little bit shorter. I don't know. Maybe you like it. Maybe you're like, okay, short and sweet, there, I'm good. But maybe you kind of missed the long, in-depth episodes that we used to do. But we'll get there again. We're just, you know, camping and driving, and I don't know if you could tell by my voice, but my voice is exhausted. Like I said, we're singing... You know, we're just trying to figure out how to get here, and it's it's just a lot of talking. And, I, you know, I like to talk. I mean, obviously, you can tell because I have a podcast. But I hope that you're still enjoying them on this road trip. This place in the Great Smoky Mountains is super beautiful. And, you know, there are bears here. There are elk here. There's tons of stuff. I haven't seen anything yet. You can hear that helicopter going over us. You can hear trucks driving by. You can hear birds and crows and cicadas all around. All around, but I hope that you just enjoy these episodes as much as I enjoy sharing them with you. Like, being out here and camping once again, it's been a while since we've camped. And I honestly didn't know that we were going to be able to camp on the East Coast because there's a hurricane going on, I think, somewhere in the South. And it's supposed to be raining super bad where where I'm at right now. Like, this whole place is supposed to be in a thunderstorm. But apparently, 
whoever out there knows that I'm going to be here. So maybe the national park system was like, yo, you know, Dylan's going to be coming through. He wants to camp. Let him camp. Although he's going to be coming in late, so make sure you lock the firewood. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't even attempt to buy it because it was so late, and I wanted to get here before, you know, the sunset. But we're still surviving on this whole road trip, and we're getting closer to single-digit states. I mean, not exactly super close right now, but we have some more surprises for you. And I hope you enjoyed the road trip. So thanks for listening, whoever you are. And um, you're just cool. I mean, that's just what makes you cool is listening to my podcast. So you're welcome. You got that stamp. Just kidding. <laughs> I guess you guys make me cool. So I got that stamp from all of you. But anyway, so every noise that you heard is because we are, in fact, sitting outside by kind of ourselves. Everybody else is out doing stuff. We're going to go do some stuff right now, too. But we're by ourselves. We're hanging out here in the Great Smoky Mountains campsite. And... If you want to see some pictures of it, go ahead and look on our Instagram on our Instagram at Campfire Adventures Podcast. And then you can always see so much more on the website at www.campfireadventurespodcast.com. So go ahead and check those out. Like I said, every noise is because we're sitting out here. And I hope you all enjoy the show. I enjoy doing it for you. So with that said, whether you listen to this in the morning or the evening, have a good morning or have a good night. Goodbye.